What just happened? Was that a race? Or was that just a challenge from the FIA to check how many times they can constantly keep checking if half an inch of a tyre is outside a line that's actually not meant to be the limit because we all think that the white line is the limit, but it's not anymore. So it's the curb. So you can't exceed it. But if you do, you get a penalty. Track limits are... First infringement. That's your first violation for this episode already. First why okay, whatever, okay, but track limits, right? It's it's so far. Second, because that's the second. Oh goodness. Are we doing it again now? I mean I just I had to. How many are we gonna end up with, Kunal? Are we gonna end up with twelve hundred mentions of the word track limits? Because that is what the FIA did yesterday. Why don't we just ask our listeners to count at the end of the whole episode? But oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what was actually happening. And I'll tell you where where I realized what was happening. And I know you're yet to introduce the show, yet to introduce all of us, but I have to say this. Nico Hulkenberg, and I, you know, there are personal reasons why I follow his race a little bit more closely than some mm-hmm. everybody else's, right? Nico Hulkenberg parks on the on the track side. He says, I have no power. And then I'm seeing the race control dashboard saying, Nico Hulkenberg, you know, track limits, track limits. And then suddenly five <laughs> laps after he's retired, he gets a black and white flag and then a time penalty. And I'm like, okay, I know what's happening. <laughs> we are all on lap 24, but race control is still on lap 18 or something and that's that's the <laughs> most reason why Aston Martin actually protested because they realized that the checkered flag had dropped in the eyes of the television and, and Formula 1 and all of that but race control was still several laps before so in terms of managing all the beep track limit violations <laughs> well we've already gone to seven mentions of track limits I think let's keep a target Kunal let's not go behind rather let's not go beyond 50 I think 50 is a reasonable amount, considering how many the drivers have had. Well, let's just do the math, right? We had 1,200 infringements in one race. 71 laps, Kunal. If we do the math, that's roughly what? I think you mentioned it to me in the morning. It's too early for me to sort of figure out. But what? 60-odd infringements per lap? 60-odd infringements per lap. No, 60-odd infringements per driver over a 71-lap race, which means almost... Almost one infringement per lap, right? And still sticking on to the mat, a 71-lap race, 20 drivers into two corners is roughly 2,480 possible violations. And the drivers had more than 1,200. The FI after a point was just like, oh my God, you know, let's not reveal the actual number. But I, I can tell you, Samuel, without any guarantees, but this was just the FIA bearing the brunt of the drivers. The drivers probably had a driver's briefing after all the Friday, Saturday violations and said, you know what, let's gang up. Let's all of us go all out every lap and let's leave it to the FIA to do what they have to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, after a point, you can't even do anything in that case as well because you as a driver just cannot see. And I, before the start of this episode, was thinking, okay, well, maybe one driver has got it right. And then maybe we can use that driver as an example and say, yes, if one driver can do it, all the other 19 drivers should follow. But guess what, Kunal? We thought that one driver got it right. Esteban Ocon 
and eventually he got the biggest penalty of them all 30 seconds after the race was over it is uh, yeah it's it's track limits it's track limits the other driver who actually did not have track limit violations also was george russell right but yes ocon is just more f- more fun to discuss more fun to make fun of because he's had what three time penalties in the opening lap of the se- opening <laughs> race of the season thought couldn't get worse he got four this four or five this time or six actually but but it's but, a very but, it's a very hollywood like thing isn't it he's getting all the drama in the world i yeah. wonder where it comes from maybe the owners it comes from the new <laughs> it comes from the new owners the 200 million that uh, that that investment that hollywood group has made but but some one sec we hmm. cannot fault esteban ocon for this we cannot we should not on a, on a very serious note yes we've just sort of made a fun joke about him and the reason why i say this is um through the race esteban ocon wasn't notified even once that hmm. he was violating so he kept doing what he thought he was doing right that he was not violating and the truth is he actually kept violating but <laughs> since race control race control were probably focusing on the other 19 drivers or 18 drivers and not so much on ocon and russell they they didn't tell him so he didn't know he kept doing what he had to do so he kept violating and then suddenly post race it's like boom that's it you know what you went all out <laughs> but th- 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 this is where why is alpine not protesting because all of this seems like human it everything is human adjudicated right yeah. will the fia release an audit of how they actually did this how did they you know go through all the violations how did they put the time penalties how did they delete lap times how did they come up with a final result because well, the final second. result actually is not changed much i mean except for aston martin gaining a few more points the final result hasn't really changed much despite all that drama Wait a second. Are you just suggesting that the FI is going to be transparent? I don't know. I don't think that happened before, right? I think they tried to be once, but they made a big grand report of 20 odd pages with a lot of stuff written in it that mentioned that they made a mistake, but still didn't mention that we made a mistake and eventually ended up with no change whatsoever. Rings a bell? No? Yeah, no? well, okay, my timeline is My timeline is filled with Abu Dhabi 2021 <laughs> references throughout. But but but, but looping yeah. back to the whole point on Esteban Ocon, it's funny because now Alpine are going to sit down, have a one-hour meeting about this, about how can we not violate track limits. And the next race that we go to, they'll end up getting a penalty for track limits again. So it's just the way life is. Just the way life is if you're an Alpine fan. But I, I want to talk about this uh, for a second as well, about how inconsistent things are. It... on a serious note okay wait it's been 7 minutes we haven't introduced ourselves we get carried away sometimes a lot like the drivers a lot like lewis hamilton who also ended up complaining so much on the radio and had to become a part time race steward but this is the inside line f1 podcast strategically named so because we know that on the outside line you get track limits penalties my name is somal arora i'm the host of the indian racing league on star sports joining me as always is kunal shah the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team the scout and the head of the Force India Driver Academy in the past and also an FIA accredited Formula 1 journalist we're also going to have F1 stats guru on the show who's now a part of the WTF1 talent roster as well for his stats review of this uh, race but let's get into track limits again do we want to talk about it more do no, we no we have to we have, no, we have to. to it's, it's okay. a big it's a big serious problem i am telling you the FIA 
just bore the brunt of drivers ganging up. That's what I said at the start of the show. I think that's mm-hmm. the smartest thing I'm going to say till such time they find a solution. The day the drivers gang up against the FIA, this is what happens. But what could be the solution, literally? Because we still have the drivers trying to police it. Yes, we saw that the FIA were a few laps behind, which is fair. And I wonder operationally, right, how many people did they hire, Kunal? Because I saw when I was going past uh, to Dadar Social for our amazing uh, post-race and pre-race event yesterday, I went past TCS's office because it's just on the way, right? And the lights were on all the way through the night. People were working there. I'm sure, I'm sure they must have outsourced <laughs> this to some random Indian call center company, right? But they... And TCS is anyway an official partner of Formula One, still yeah. Tata Communications. But yes, I... I... I I think they need to ramp up their, they need to scale up their operations if they're going to continue to do this manually. I mean, frankly, every single person that I spoke to, and I speak to a lot of people during Formula One weekends, mind you guys, okay, as does Somil. Somil was hosting this crazy race screening with about 80 people in the house going, raging about their drivers and amazing. And a fantastic quiz, which, you know, we should at some point do it online. But anyway, that's for another time. Uh, the people I spoke to, every person thought that there were track limit sensors that were doing this automatically. <laughs> there were a couple of AI experts, you know, everybody wants to be an AI expert, right? With all the Twitter threads saying five things you need to learn about AI and so on. <laughs> Maybe we need to get the FI to read about that. But the AI experts were saying, put a sensor, there's a techno fix, there's an algorithm, it'll do this. And I said, yes, 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 I agree. But the fact that it actually came out of this is that it's all human done. And the yeah. chances of human error when it comes to the FIA is incredibly high, as we know. <laughs> and I'm making a reference to you know a term that's been, trend, that's been trending after Abu Dhabi 2021. But no, I'm not trying to polarize the fan base. The, the point is, now we know it's actually human. And I, I'm a little shocked that the world's most tech-advanced sport <laughs> doesn't have tech to police track limits. And you asked an interesting question. What should we do? I think I think gravel is not an answer, even though I think mm. it is an answer. I would say just leave it to the drivers. Let them figure out where the track starts and ends and, you know, let it go. And yeah, maybe that will also add to entertainment. It's much like how, you know, now there is this whole debate about 2026. Uh, the cars are getting heavier and heavier and yeah. just being added, you know, more and more weight. Uh, it's like as Formula One gets older, it's just adding more weight uh, to its to to its body mass, you know, as much like we all humans do. The teams have said, dear FI, remove a weight limit, leave it to us to make the lightest cars we can, which sounds yeah. interesting, right? Do the same thing with track limits. Tell the drivers, here's a track, go racing, no problem, make it happen. And of course, maybe that way also has a has potential pitfalls but it just seems sounds more fun rather than finding out five six hours after a race what has happened no uh, actually let's just evaluate this for a minute because we have to then also speak a lot more about max and also the fact that someone apart from max has led a lap in a race for the first time in ages but we will get to that in a second i want to stay on this chat because legitimately right we all think that gravel is the solution as you rightly mentioned gunal it's not Because let's not forget, there is a world outside of Formula 1. And gravel traps, although they might not beach Formula 1 cars, they will beach motorbikes. They will beach Formula 3 cars. They will beach sports cars. And those things are hard to get out. And you could just say, okay, well, the marshals will bring a tractor and things can be easy, right? Well, not if you're a paid driver and you're paying by the hour. 
and if you if you have a marshal coming into the circuit taking 15 minutes to get your car off well that's a quarter of your hour basically gone so that's not really a legitimate solution to find a way out right and on that subject of drivers deciding i think we're just going back to square one or, or i think square zero because we've always i think it's silly right cricket has been around forever they've made sure that if you tie a match at the end of a game and the scores are still tied in the first super over there has to be a second super over they've of course made that mistake and learned football has made that mistake and learned about offside and var and all that but racing just hasn't for some reason gunal i don't know why it's meant to be the most tech heavy the most advanced but it's a sport where the rules are always gray the only correct rule is you just have to be first to win but everything else across categories is all just different why can't we even agree on what is fair racing as well in the first place because this week for once we got to see some really fair racing but i'm sure two weeks down the line when we go to a track where racing is more tricky the fia will have problems on that as well so i i wonder why this happens in the first place like what is racing meant to be and you're right it literally seems like you know make it along on the way as you go kind of approach when it comes to governance and i don't know like despite all of this sport is flourishing teams have multi billion dollar valuations more and more fans are being added to everything that's happening and i think it's just how the fia and formula 1 will end up being and you know i keep wondering what if aston martin hadn't protested okay what would have mm. happened we would have all been like oh wow that was a fantastic race race control would have said okay let's forget the last 8 or 11 laps that we've still not uh, sort of seen and let's move on because uh, interestingly and i keep doing this uh, I, i'm on twitter at the rate kunal asha uh for anybody who wants to follow i tweet out a lot of driver radio messages that don't make it to the feed in fact all of them that don't make it to the feed and fernando alonso's post race driver message literally said we are within 10 seconds of carlos signs and guess who benefited from that protest <laughs> fernando alonso and se- seriously i mean this race was also a proof that the stewards actually had enough and they sent things back to race control saying dear race control please deal with the mess and austrian grand prix has been extended till 2030 so i really hope that they are able to find a solution to all of this and and if the fia transparency all of that all of those questions somel yes i would love to read an audit report of how exactly all of this <laughs> happened unlikely unlikely but uh, we will see on that front I want to for a second now talk about Ferrari. I think that's enough on enough on track limits to the point where I think it's a little the whole situation is a little bit overkill. But I want to talk about Ferrari for a second because for once we saw them have things work out. And even in this whole controlled chaos where eventually Ferrari got the best possible result penalty aside, I think let's focus on what happened on the track not off it. wink wink nudge nudge but uh, uh we we have to talk about the whole strategy game because when ferrari had that double stack canal it seemed like why are you doing something that you know you can't do <laughs> and when they had a 4.5 second pit stop each it was like come on man you should have seen this coming but even in all this controlled chaos it ended up working although they had the faster driver behind which is not really meant to happen at the end of the day with carlos signs eventually getting the checkered flag in p4 and then falling all the way back uh, at the end i think it's the best that they could have done 
Because what else would they have done? Their pace in qualifying and all, the entire field was bunched up by just eight tenths, which is amazing. But their pace in qualifying was right up there. Their deg, although it became a problem towards the end, but it wasn't as bad as it used to be. So I think the signs, not color signs, but the signs generally are, are looking bright. And in this P2 battle, we both didn't even pick Ferrari, any of their drivers, to finish in P2 this weekend. I think that, to me, is the beauty of this weekend. I think you picked Hamilton, I picked Alonso, or the other way around or something. And the two of them were nowhere close to the podium whatsoever. And just goes to show that if you take Max Verstappen out of the equation, the battle is genuinely awesome behind them. I mean, and Ferrari got it right two races in a row. Let's remember that the previous race also they got it right and they whatever safety car they didn't pay they made positions and uh, uh you know to to put it bluntly yes the slower driver finished ahead they told they they used team orders and sort of reined in carlos signs which i'm sure he was angry about because carlos signs was angry about a lot of things and you spoke of the slow stops and the double stacks imagine ferrari's margin of error that despite being so quick in pit stops throughout the whole season. They actually messed up in Austria, but still had enough of a margin to go back and claim those mm. positions that they sort of lost, right? But we, you know, whether it's a good race or a bad race, Ferrari's pit wall always bears the brunt of Carlos Sainz's frustration <laughs> on the radio. Doesn't matter. He He is incredibly... Honest, open. He's very Marco-like on the radio. But guys, we should have extended. And then the favorite radio message of it all. Checo is intimidating me. I have no clue. I mean, isn't going wheel to wheel in every sort of intimidation? It can be. I mean, firstly, helmets off to uh, Carlos Sainz. Brilliant defense against Checo Perez. Why why is helmets off? Why why is helmet off to Carlos? I mean, instead of the hats off, the helmets off is my motorcycle version of saying it. Yeah, you didn't, I, I didn't mean helmet, helmet Marco. I thought helmet is off to Carlos. Oh, no. God damn it. Maybe we've had him on the podcast, so I'm thinking about him way too much. But yeah. <laughs> what you were saying? Yeah, so great defense against Checo. And yes, that intimidating thing, you're going to hear it back in the mid-season review. You'll hear it back in uh, the post-season inside line F1 parody awards and whatnot. But I was amazed at that radio message. Yeah, it was very intimidating. I think if racing drivers (laughs) end up seeing this when they're racing on track, I think it's about time they go home. Because if a racing driver is intimidating you by just being there i'm sure it's it's great to hear the psychology behind it because we never quite get to see drivers that open but if you're being intimidated by that uh, probably in the wrong sport mate but it is fun i think eventually all that happened all the chaos that was fun and uh, i, I want to talk about this fact this fact as well that we got to see racing this weekend kunal we really did uh, george russell in the sprint was amazing he had quite a few battles around the outside here and there Esteban Ocon got his elbows out quite a fair bit. Lando Norris, of course, anti-stall happened and then he couldn't quite uh, get a move on. So that's why he had to be a little frisky. Even in yesterday's race, his fight with Carlos Sainz was A1. Chef's kiss. Carlos Sainz's fight with Sergio Perez was beautiful as well. This is just one circuit that makes you realize how it's not that hard to get Formula 1 cars fighting. And I think... With these cars, because they're bulkier, because they're trickier to follow, because they're harder to make move around, you just appreciate each battle a little bit more. And I feel the only key to success for good racing, Kunal, is 
just increase the breaking distances because we saw in the sprint the fact that the breaking distances were longer gave so much more volatility and drivers could fight everywhere isn't that what we all love to see at the end of the day my goodness you have packed in so much information in the last couple of minutes that i don't huh. know what to pick next but yes i think the racing was fantastic and uh, the sprint gave us a different way of racing around austria because of the whole conditions changing and you know from wet to dry and somewhere in the middle and all of that and then sunday was a purely dry race again very very interesting battles that happened but i am going to pick on saturday first firstly hmm. ferrari messed up the saturday and you know charles leclerc for all that talent all the charisma he brings and all the empathy that he also evokes from all of us actually turned around and said i'm good in the wet i'm good in the dry i'm not good when it's half wet hide half dry and i don't know why i can't extract things and that's a bit strange because you'd assume that you know the team and the driver would know how to extract the most of any situation by the time they get into formula 1 but okay that's one part talking of the sprint max verstappen checo perez on the start open opening at the start mm. opening lap Checo gets a run in and then Max into turn 3. That was Max Verstappen annoyed at his best. He was like, I am not going to make the corner. I'm not going to get let you make the corner and if you want to make the corner, you got to turn in and hit me, which was what Hamilton Rosberg did in 2016 because <laughs> Verstappen braked really really late and he was not braking for the corner. He was not braking to turn in. He yeah. was braking to slow down Checo Perez and I think Verstappen doesn't mind being beaten. He just minds being beaten by Hamilton and Checo Perez. I mean, that's just my reading, but yeah. Okay. Uh and I think overall let's let's applaud Max Verstappen. You know, he scored the 34 points, the 8% of all the points that were available in the season with just so much ease. His fifth win in Austria, Red Bull's 101st victory. Um uh, you know i think max now has won as many races in the last 14 months 21 races as kimi scored over 19 seasons in formula 1 okay and yeah i mean at the at the end of the day somel i you know there were two other drivers who had very interesting radio messages we'll talk about lewis hamilton a little later in the show but max verstappen two laps to the end actually forced red bull into making a pit stop and he had what a two or three second margin on charles leclerc and he said guys but if we don't take the the risk when we have 24 seconds of a margin what's the point and guess what yeah. red bull pitted and then he still ended up what finishing 5 seconds ahead of leclerc so wow what a driver it's great to see history being made yeah i think the more the races go on the more you start to appreciate it of course it is boring but uh, it's it's still it puts you more in awe because you can't pull out a 21 second gap in a sprint race that is frankly unbelievable even after you've had a terrible lap one where you forced everyone to move around a little bit go for some really crazy moves not to say that he's the cleanest in the world because we saw what happened in qualifying where he intentionally impeded lewis hamilton and there's no two ways about it but in the race is just a class apart. So that was our one minute for Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing. Well, hey, we're done with it. Done with the obligations. <laughs> no. Uh, we'll actually tell you what makes Max so good because Dr. Helmut Marko came on the Inside Line F1 podcast last week and because it's Sebastian Vettel's birthday when we're recording today as well, we thought, "Hey, why not ask Helmut Marko a week in advance 
how does he think Sebastian Vettel and Helmut Mark, ah, Sebastian Vettel and Max Verstappen compare? So let's hear from Dr. Marco himself about how two of his greatest finds compare against each other. Sebastian and Max, they've contributed to 79 of the 100 wins that Red Bull Racing has had. Two finds both made by you. What do you see as the difference between the two of them, Dr. Marco? First of all, they are different characters, both completely focused on racing, and they had an unbelievable talent. Maybe Max is more natural, Seb is going into the smallest detail, to be an engineer with him was not a nice time. If you want something, he was, and he was looking and looking at it. There was no, nothing what was by accident. Everything was clearly planned and also executed in this way. Main difference, maybe Max does it more easy. It's more natural. But both are great drivers, no doubt. More natural, Kunal. That's a word. That's a word to have. And you could see Sergio Perez struggling to keep up because in one qualifying session, he absolutely nailed it. Still not good enough. But in the other one, he just couldn't keep up with the natural talent. P14 at the end of the day. And that for me was such an utter disappointment because if anything, he should have been there. He should have been challenging. But I think at this point, it makes no sense, right? Because we've been seeing this forever. So it's just light pass. It doesn't even make sense anymore to talk about it. I'll tell you what else didn't make sense to me. The Mercedes on the Sunday was really bad. But Toto Wolf actually went onto the radio saying, Lewis, we know the car is really bad. Please drive it. I I, I couldn't mm. get my hands around the whole pleading. I mean, A, he is being paid millions of dollars or pounds or euros, whatever currency works for you. Mm-hmm. to race that car. So he's, it's not that he's doing it for free and then he's you know hanging around the back of the circuit. Yes, it's not the car, but hey, it was on the podium just a race ago. Yeah. So, you know, life is always going to have fluctuations, you know, back and forth and some good days, some bad days, some great days. Lewis keeps saying this all the time in his interviews. He's so grateful for everything that comes. I just couldn't wrap my head around the whole pleading. And I know I I polarized the fan base on Twitter. My Twitter's still beeping even, you know, 36 hours after I said it. I said there are at least 12 other drivers who would die to race that Mercedes. Okay. Yeah. And then boom. This is where I think I polarized the fan base even on the podcast novel. So I couldn't get my you know wrap my head around that whole please drive the car thing. I mean, you he's being paid to drive that car. It just happens to be bad on this particular day, but hey, it's your choice. You drive it or not. So what's Lewis going to get at the end of this race? Because the fans got a letter last year from a series performing poorly. <laughs> Lewis definitely is getting a few million dollars after this race. But yeah, <laughs> fans get a letter. Lewis gets all the notes. I it's mean, the funny. printed notes. <laughs> it's funny how it works though. And I love it because you can get to see who he is in the moment. I'm getting a little philosophical about this, I'll, I'll admit. But... Isn't it fun that we get to see what the driver thinks of? And I love Lewis for that. It surely might not be the most ideal situation because he preaches to be grateful, to be tough in the moment, but it only goes to show that he's human. And suddenly all the Red Bull fans hate me because I've only given one minute to Max and two minutes to Lewis and I'm talking about how Lewis is human. and nah, nah, nah. Okay, but the point is, I appreciate emotion because that's what makes you feel connected to a racing driver. And Lewis Hamilton is definitely, definitely showing that. But... Emotion is one thing, numbers are a different thing. And this race canal had so many 
milestone numbers broken as well. So let's listen in to F1 stats crew, who now, of course, is a part of the WTF1 talent roster as well. And so fresh from that, he's got a stats review from the Austrian GP. Let's hear him out. Hey folks, it's time to do the stats review of the Austrian Grand Prix. My name is Sundaram, also known as the F1 Stats Guru. We are not going to be talking about time penalties, to be honest, because there were 1200 potential breaches, 83 lap times deleted, and quite a few time penalties handed out. I really don't remember seeing any other race in Formula 1 history handing out so many penalties post-race especially. So quite clearly, this could be the race with the most time penalties ever. But let's get straight into the numbers because we have to talk about Max Verstappen and Red Bull, of course. Verstappen led the first 24 laps of the race and then decided to come into the pits, which saw him handing over the lead of the race to Charles Leclerc. And that brought an end to Max Verstappen's very dominant lead at the front, 248 consecutive laps. That's actually the longest such streak in the past 35 years and the third longest streak overall for a driver at the front with only Ed and Senna and Alberto Ascari who have done longer laps at the front of the grid. But these are now my favorite stats. You see, Verstappen has won 32 races since the start of 2021, his first championship winning year. And that's the same number of wins that Fernando Alonso has in the last two decades, since 2001. And all it's taken Verstappen is the last two and a half years of Red Bull dominance. Very interesting. Verstappen also bagged the maximum points available from the race weekend 34 because he won the sprint race, he won the main Grand Prix and he also took the fastest lap point. And he's only the second driver to do this. George Russell was the only other one to do it in Brazil last year. But Verstappen is the only one to do it twice. He actually took 34 points from last year's Imola race or the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix and I've been waiting to mention this next stat. You see, Verstappen has been leading the World Championship for 26 consecutive races. And that marks the longest streak since Fernando Alonso's 33-race lead in 2005 and 2006. And if he continues this way, Verstappen could pretty much break that milestone as well later this year. And lastly, Charles Leclerc led the Austrian Grand Prix for a total of 10 laps. And that's the longest a non-Red Bull driver has been at the front of the pack since George Russell at last year's Sao Paulo Grand Prix. It seems a bit of a rarity these days, you see, seeing a non-Red Bull driver leading a race. But that was the stats review of the Austrian Grand Prix. I hope you folks enjoyed that. For more such interesting stats and facts from this race weekend, do follow me on my Twitter and Instagram under the name F1 Stats Group. I'll see you folks very soon. Welcome back in, folks, to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Ah, first time in ages that any driver apart from Max Verstappen has led a race. But that's just one part of it. Before we end, Kunal, McLaren is one thing we have to talk about. I think it's the toughest team in the world to support mentally. They really play around with your emotions a lot. And I know at this point you'll stop me and say Ferrari, but beyond the point you get used to disappointment. So I think let's just keep that aside. But McLaren really toy with your emotions, huh? Oscar Piastri having such a crazy one and then obviously melting your heart with that stupid meme that he's come up with with a jetpack driver unfortunately crashing. He's okay, the jetpack rider. Uh, but Piastri but gave us that brilliant meme. The but jetpack than- driver busted track limits and how? He did, he <laughs> did. He was actually, and you know what? It was outside turn nine as well of all places in the world. So, I hope yeah, everyone every- noting. Yeah, everybody paid homage to Turn 9 and 10 this weekend, I would say. Maybe we should have recorded this right there, sitting. It's, you know, there itself, someone saying, there we go. This is where we are recording. This is where all the track limits, etc. happened. But <laughs> you're talking of McLaren. 
The first person, the first driver, at least on the team radio, to turn into an FIA sensor was Lando Norris. He he got Lewis Hamilton that penalty. Let's remember. Did he, did he just he, say that he turned into an FIA sensor? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, straight yeah. face. <laughs> he turned Lewis Hamilton then into the the penalty that that you know he got that penalty, and then he turned Hamilton also into a sensor. He Hamilton's like, I got a penalty. He gets a penalty. You gets a penalty. She gets a penalty. Everybody gets a penalty. But why aren't they getting a penalty? Are you guys checking or not? I mean, poor, poor, poor drivers. I, I feel really, really bad for them that they had no clue if they were going off or not. And by the time they were told, you know, this is, this is like the classic days of karting. A lot of drivers said racing in Australia was like racing in karting. In karting, when you go rental karting, Samuel. What's the worst thing that happens? And I, you know, I used to work a lot with my dad and my coach on this. By the time you finish your 10 laps, after you finish your 10 laps, you're told lap three was your fastest and you have no memory of where your lap three exactly. was. Exactly. You don't, you don't, you don't get real time timing in, in, in karting. I mean, unless you put, you know, you put a lot of electronics, which cost money. This was the same thing. You're on lap 25. I said, by the way, lap 13, you had an infringement. You've got to better remember. You're like, hey, but I, lap 13 to lap 25, I did the same thing all times yeah. over, 12 times over. And, you know, it, it, it just didn't make sense to me. But yes, you, talk, you talked about Oscar Piastri. Norris had the upgraded McLaren. Piastri didn't. Piastri is going to get it in Silverstone. Let's see how that goes. But before we wrap up, you know, something I'm still trying to wrap up in my head with over 1200 violations finally the fia deleted just 83 laps okay that's less than 10 percent of the laps that actually got deleted which makes me wonder where what happened to the other 1117 violations because if there's a violation and there was this whole bath, you know, you get three strikes, the fourth strike, you get a black and no, the three strikes is a black and white flag. Fourth strike yep. is five seconds. Fifth strike is 10 seconds. Then the FIA made it up along the way even more. Then they said, ah, there were too many, you know, too many violations. So after your fifth strike and 10 seconds, you would get a reset and then you'd start from zero uh, again. Okay. okay. And yeah, 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 that's true. They have actually written this down in the document. I'm not making, I'm not making things up as I go along you know, 31, <laughs> whatever, 35 minutes into this episode. But the FIA literally did that. So um, my point is, it was a crazy, crazy race. Track limits, Austrian Grand Prix. We've said that several years to the end. And I don't think we're going to stop saying this till 2030. Yeah, exactly. But uh, one last note to close on. We have to talk about McLaren because this is huge. P4 is frankly fantastic, Kunal. And I know a lot of it could be attributed down to the cooler conditions, which just allow the tires and the and, and the aero on the car to work better. Now, the technicalities behind it, I think you'd be much rather better be informed about that by someone like Giorgio Piola, who does the diagrams and understands the car that well. That's not who we are and that's not what we're here for. But quite simply, Kunal, this is encouraging. Because even on Sunday, yes, it was, what, 22, 24 odd degrees, the track temperature and everything. The ambient temperature around there. So, track temperature must have been slightly higher. But nevertheless, by conventional standards, that's still a little towards the hotter side. And McLaren performed there as well. So, it's not bad, actually. Yeah, Ma- McLaren, actually McLaren actually told PS3 on the radio that... Um, that uh, the upgrades are working and that he will have them have them next 
sort of you know race when he gets to race there which is silverstone but yeah lots to lots to look forward to it's already race week and uh, we're going to have uh, an exciting uh, race in silverstone we say that each time to promote formula 1 um yeah. uh you know unbiased uh, and that's 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 about it i'm 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 wanting to see what are the upgrades a lot of other teams are bringing because even with all those upgrades red bull and max verstappen still are finishing miles ahead of everybody else they can i think i really appreciate what that reddit user has done i don't know who it was but i was just scrolling through yesterday they've taped max verstappen's name on the score sh- on the on the timing sheet so everything else beyond that that is good so congratulations to charles leclerc what an amazing race win but uh, join us next sunday at car social folks if you are in mumbai we're going to be having another similar event to what we had at dadar social this past sunday and if you are listening in from that event guys thank you thank you for coming it's amazing to hear your opinions in the pre race and post race show and we're going to be having more of that along with the quiz along with hopefully a simulator there as well so hopefully we get to see you there this sunday and you can check out how you can join in by following us on social media which should be in the description of this episode but thank you for listening to this point in case you've enjoyed don't report this to the FIA report this to your friends and family members who might enjoy listening to this so hopefully they can also come on and be a part of the inside line club see you then folks for the british gp preview in a couple of days take care and watch the white line don't exceed it bye bye